Okay, so we're in a series on leadership, and you're like, why do I have to be here on a, on a sermon series about leadership, Pastor Josh? I'm not in leadership, nor do I want to be in leadership. Can I get an amen? I don't want to be, okay. Now, I understand, and I'm not a natural leader. I've learned how to become a leader, and you might be thinking to yourself, I'm not a leader, and, and, and I, you know, I don't, I'm not necessarily called to ministry. I love the Lord, but I'm not called to ministry, so this doesn't apply to me. I guarantee you that this, this, this concept of leadership does apply. One, it's a spiritual gift that's attainable to everyone. And you will, whether you realize it or not, you will lead. You need to lead those that you are around. And probably even more importantly, you need to learn how to lead yourself. And so this is why I want to to, to focus on this concept of leadership inside of the church context. But my my heart is just to to fan some flames of, of current leaders, like rise you guys up a little bit, but also give you the tools to manage and lead yourself well and manage and lead your, your household and your families well in this very confusing time. Today's chapter, and I'm kind of going off of this book, and the reason why, okay, so if you want to go into formal ministry, I definitely think that this is a must-read, lead by Paul David Tripp. Um, this will strip away any romantic notions about what formal ministry is. This will check yourself before you wreck yourself. So it's great. Twelve gospel principles for leadership in the church. One of the reasons why we were going through this, we went through this as a staff, and it was just resonated so well with us. It's like we need to communicate this to the entire church because we want to be a healthy church. We want to be a balanced church. We want a church that um, not only is worshiping in spirit and truth, but is also worshiping with our lives in the expression of godly character throughout the week. We're a charismatic church, but charisma without character is crazy. It's okay to be a little crazy, but like to get off the rails, to, to be unhealthy and, and, and crazy in a bad way, uh, that's why we need, the, we need the character of God. We need to attach ourselves to godly character so that we can be a light in this dark world. The world's going to make fun of us regardless, but we need to make sure that we're not giving them some, some fuel to make fun of us. We need, to, we need, as a church, not just Granite Creek, but as, as the church, we need to quit embarrassing ourselves with moral failures, with silliness, with borderline voodoo witchcraft disguised as Christianity. Like, it, we need to quit embarrassing the church. And so this is why we're going through this, this idea. And today's topic is on the area of limits. How do, you, how do you feel about the limits that you have in your lives? Like, what? Like, what does that have to do with character? It actually has quite a bit to do with character because our American inclination is to drive and it, and it is to push the limits. It is to expand into new territories and to... And you know, take dominion, take possession, that kind of thing. But if we are not careful about our God-given gifts, did you know that you all have a spiritual gift? Do you know that there are limits 
to your spiritual gifts? I think we need to bump right up to that limit. Let this not go over. All right, and get your Bibles out. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 12. Verse 28, this scripture, by the way, is posted on our door on the entrance into this building. So this scripture is, it's a key guiding scripture for our values as a church. So we, we have our missions and we have our vision, but we have our values too. This values is our, the practices on how we flesh out our faith and our spiritual walk in the context of Granite Creek. And so here we go. Um, one of the teachers of the law, so, you know, one of these seminary guys, came And he heard them debating and noticed that Jesus had given them a good answer. And he asked him, out of all of the Ten Commandments, which is the most important? So he's going to quote Deuteronomy in a second. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your hearts with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you look around the building, you're going to see heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's the heart. There's the soul. There's the mind. And there's the strength. This is what we build the building on, actually. The second... One of the uh, one is this: love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no greater commandment than all of these. Well said, teacher. I, I, I tell Jesus that all the time. Good job, Jesus. Well said. You get an A plus, Jesus. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all of your heart, with all of your understanding, with all of your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is the most important than all the burnt offerings and all of the sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Amen. Do you know how you know that how close you guys are to the kingdom? You guys are so close to the kingdom of God. When I hear you worship in spirit and in truth and when I see you push in and want to change and want to make your lives better and more like Jesus, and when you want your families to be transformed, you guys are so close to experiencing the kingdom of heaven. And no one dared to ask Jesus any more questions. All right? So, um, so we have limits. And in order to have a healthy, balanced Christian lifestyle, spiritual lifestyle, it needs to be I'm going to sound like a hippie here, but it needs to be a holistic expression. Holistic. 
mind. Like your mind needs to be sharp. You need to make sure, like when you wake up, you drink that coffee, you get that thing going, you stick your head in some ice. Like your mind needs to be sharp, probably now more than ever, because like there is a lot of shenanigans going on, and you've got to be able to think through these things. You have to be able to have a decent response and defense for your faith. You need to know when you're being had and when you're not. So the, the, the mind is very important. Your, your heart, again, and this is what you did this morning. You were worshiping God with all of your heart. Like that's a spiritual expression, and I can't define what was going on. I just know what was good. We have to love God with our whole soul. The, the, the soul, hope is the anchor to our souls. Like if, if, you find, if your soul finds itself in a fiery chasm, if your world is burning around, if your spouse hates you and your kids are running away and you're emotionally compromised and you don't know what's going on, like your soul needs hope. It doesn't matter how, how well you're connecting with the Spirit. If you're not connecting well with one another in your personal relationships, you're an unhealthy, dysfunctional Christian. So we need to, we need to love God with our emotional well-being. That might require some of you to go to counseling. I don't want to go to, past, I don't want to, go to counseling, Pastor Josh. I'd just rather be delivered. It's a process. Sometimes it's a process. And then loving God with all of our strengths. Those are your those are your giftings. Do you know that you're uniquely designed and gifted to do things that I'm not? Your giftings are they're a beautiful expression of God's grace towards you. You have a set of spiritual gifts, and some argue you get the spiritual gifts when you get saved. Some say you get them when you're born, but there's a set of spiritual gifts. Some of you have the the spiritual gift of healing. You lay hands on people, they get better. Some of you have the spiritual gifts of prophecy. You're able to understand what God's will is in the bigger picture. You might even be able to see into the future what God's got planned. Some of you have the spiritual gift of knowledge, like you just know what's going on in somebody. You can read their mail, and it, it, like, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> can we give it up for Zoe Stretch? Okay. Isn't she awesome? Thank you, Zoe. So um, I don't, I'll get into this maybe in another message, but uh, one of my accountability partners is Zoe's father. And whenever I am not okay, I call Alan. I call Pastor Alan. Whenever I am not okay and I'm too much of a coward to call Pastor Alan, guess who gives me a call out of the, out of the blue? It's super annoying. Hey, Josh, how you doing? You just came to my mind, and everything okay? I'm like, no, Alan, not everything is okay right now. Like, my grandmother used to do this. I think that that, that, uh, that assignment, my, when my grandmother passed, I think that assignment got transferred to Alan. And so, yeah. 
So some of you have that type of a spiritual gift, the spiritual gift of knowledge, where you're just able to understand what's taking place. You have information in the moment that is, that is valuable for the health and healing of someone else. Uh, information that is not uh, available for the, the encouragement of someone else, like you just you keep that to yourself. You need to pray about it. You know, I could be like getting, they can give me some knowledge from, I don't know, who should I pick on this morning? Who, who wants to? All right, JR raised his hand. So I get this word of knowledge that, that JR literally murdered somebody last night. I know. We quit killing people, right? Okay, it wouldn't be appropriate for me to like, Share that in front of the entire congregation, now would it? I just, like, it's not appropriate for me to, to spiritually pants people. It doesn't, it's not going to encourage anyone. It's not going to build anybody up. It's just going to humiliate them. So if God gives you information about somebody, you have to ask yourself, if I share this, is it going to humiliate them? If it is going to humiliate them, that is your sign to practice that other, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. Control yourself. Like just because you have power and information doesn't mean, doesn't give you the right to yield it, to wield it. Now, in the context of all the spiritual gifts, the charismatic gifts, you also have natural gifts. Like, some of you are just smart. Some of you are just really, really good looking. Uh, <laughs> some of you, uh, like, you know, you're, you're in good shape. Some of you have mathematical minds. Some of you can play music. So you can play like instruments. I can play an instrument. It's called the radio. Like that's about, that's about as far as that natural ability can get. And you, we are required by law, right? We just read the law here. We're required by law to use our strength in the advancement of God's kingdom. My giftings are not your giftings. My, even my spiritual gifts, like you and my, I, like I have the spiritual gift of healing. But even in my expression of that spiritual gift, it's going to look different than other people's expression of that same gift. And so, um, like I, I'll just, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I have all the cool power gifts. <laughs> I got that gift of healing. I got that. I got that gift of prophecy. I got the cool power gifts, like that hospitality one, whatever. <laughs> that speaking in tongues one, that's kind of, that one's kind of weird. Like, you know, those are lesser gifts. <laughs> the gift of teaching, Sunday school teachers, whatever. Yeah, you, you see where I'm getting. Like, all of the gifts are vital and important for the body of Christ, and they need to be expressed. But if all I did all Sunday long, all year long, is just beat on this healing gift, 
And then if all I did was say that my gift is superior to everybody else's gifts, I've pushed that gift beyond its functional limit. And it becomes something toxic and unhealthy. And this comes naturally inside of group settings, inside of churches. We tend to gravitate towards what we're really good at. We just pour gasoline on what we think that God is blessing. But what God wants us to be is a balanced church with all of the gifts being expressed by you in healthy ways. And so I have to come to terms with the limitations of my own spiritual gifts, which kind of seems like a weird thing to think about. And you know, my own personal struggles with um, spiritual gifts and tapping in and trying to function, trying to flow, my own struggles is that um, I take it too far. I push it to the limit beyond what God has set. Like, I will try and pray for people that God didn't ask me to pray for. Now, my gifts are my gifts. Like, it, like, I could still probably pull it off because that's what God's gifts do. They're free and they're active. And so I can actually push a spiritual gift to the point where this wasn't God's idea. And, and so that could be a dangerous thing. And we all have this temptation to do this. And, and you, can, you can push your natural gifts in the same way. Like, ah, Pastor Josh, I don't even know what my spiritual gifts are. That's okay. You probably know what your natural gifts are. What are, your nat- what are you naturally good at? Are you a bean counter? Or are you a creative? Do you show up to work on time? Like, what? like you, you do something that's good, but did you know that you could take that natural gift to an, an extremity? And you, if you're ready, we've been talking about this a lot. You can make it an idol. You can be so gifted in a certain area, you can make that gifting an idol and that it's expressed because, because you're awesome and, and God owes you because you're, you did so good with these natural giftings. So there's a, there's a limit now, isn't there, to our gifts? That's point number one. Point number two is that this is, this is oh man, I, I'm preaching to myself here. I should probably come down here. Probably just talk to you like we're, like we're at Denny's or something. It's pastor confession time. We have not only limitations in our giftings that we need to be aware of, but we also have limitations with our time. Time. Have you ever had this conversation with yourself? I just wish I had another five hours left to this day. I wish this was not a seven-day week. I wish this was a ten-day week. I wish I had more time. Oh, see, I'm striking a nerve here and there. Okay, time is, is a killer. And we are, I mean, whether we like it or not, we try to time travel. We have a time machine upstairs, by the way. It's awesome. It helps me all the time. Um, despite our best efforts to manipulate and to stretch time, there is only 24 hours to a day. And we think that, that, that we can, you know, we can just like, I'm going to just give this all my time. I'm going to give it all my energy, and I'm just going to push it to the, the farthest extremes. Now, what we do know biblically about the concept of time is, first of all, is that God made it. And second of it is, is he's put limitations to our time. 
you have to be careful about how you manage your time. There's probably, I'm thinking in my mind, there's three major categories of how we divvy up time. There's the Lord's time, there is family home life time, and then there's work time, right? And you only get so much for each category. And if work time is going to expand, if work time is going to grow, guess what that eats into? It's going to eat into family time. It's going to eat into God time. If family time is dominant and it begins to grow, did you know that family time can even grow into an unhealthy situation? So if all you're doing is just going on vacation all day long and hanging out with the kids every single day, and, uh, well, you just don't want to go to work, and, and you just can't pay your bills, that, that is an unhealthy use of your time. You're, you're not balanced in it. Okay, you ready for this one? This one's going to hurt some of you. It's going to hurt your souls. Did you know that you could spend too much time with God? Okay, let me, let me phrase it differently. Did you know that you could spend too much time doing God stuff and not being with God? Too much time doing God stuff. And he actually has set up a rhythm and a pattern for us to gauge where our God stuff should be. And it is in a very old, one of the Ten Commandments concepts called Sabbath. Like the Sabbath, like it's actually a pretty good deal. It's one out of seven. One out of seven of your days should be, in theory, dedicated to the Lord. Today is the Lord's day. There are some New Testament philosophers and pastors and theologians that say that this, the concept of Sabbath ended with Jesus because our rest is in Jesus. It's a true statement, but it's actually practically false because I know and you know if we don't have a healthy rhythm of Sabbath rest, our lives are train wrecks. So when you are in a rhythm of biblical, timely rest, when you're able to, today, after this service, to, to rest, I challenge you, you shouldn't go home and pay your bills right now. You do that Monday morning at 6. Like, rest today. Pastor Josh, my husband needs to mow the lawn. Okay? <laughs> Here's a here's an aid on this. If your husband is a construction worker or a painter, or if he works with his hands, don't don't make your husband mow the lawn. Like let him rest. You have a better marriage if he rests. If your husband is an attorney or a bookkeeper or a lawyer. Uh, if he's a lawyer, I, you know, I got some good news. I can lead him to the Lord a little bit later today. <laughs> if your husband works with his mind, make him mow the yard. If he works with his body, let him read a book or watch a movie. So it, it, this, there's, a, there's the balance there. Do you see that? 
I actually get rest messing around with my fish pond. Like, it's work. It's dirty. I get sweaty. But I find rest, like, in that work because it's not actually work. It's a hobby, right? So today, find your time to rest. If you rest well, you will do what we sang about, that you will praise his name all the day long. How does it go again, Zodi? This is my praising my Savior all the day long. You know, and this is the spiritual secret that Paul taps into. He's like, oh, I'm in a constant state of prayer. Isn't that cool? That's, that's like being led in the Holy Spirit. You don't have to work that up. But what you do have to do is practice Sabbath rest. Your body needs the time. And I need time because I just got the five-minute warning. <laughs> do you know what kills you is when you push time beyond its natural limit? And this is, let me hop off the stage again. With this whole project and church craziness, uh, dealing with situations that are beyond my control and my calendar, phone calls and, like, can I get an amen? Like, this is your life too, right? Like, stuff happens to you that you didn't plan for. You didn't set healthy boundaries like, don't call me on Sunday. Can I get an amen? I don't work on Sunday. Like, put that on your voicemail. Put that on an email thing. Don't be checking your email today. But like I'm preaching to the choir here because like, the, like I went three weeks of working every day. My Sabbath is Monday. And yeah, I was working that day. So again, this is pastor confession time. I took it beyond the limit. And guess what? I wasn't just stretched. It burned me out. You don't want to be burned out, right? So one of the concepts of this book is that churches have a tendency, and I don't want to do this, and if this happens to you, you need to let leadership know, is that churches have a tendency to burn other people out. We push them to the limit of their giftedness and of their time. You only have so much church time, church things to do. It's different than your Sabbath. It's different than your devotional time. It's different than your talking to God every day. It's that service thing. If you only have so many hours, you only have so much time to serve, what is your limit, and have you gone beyond that limit? When nativity comes up, we're going to make you go beyond that limit. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay? We'll, we'll, we'll help us help you. We'll, 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 try and, we'll try and schedule that. Okay, so time is a killer, right? If we don't manage it well. So I want you to think about, all right. Am I spending too much time in the office? Is that taking up too much time? Is my entertainment life, is that taking up too much time? Is my doing God things, this is the hard one, right? Is my doing God things taking up too much time? Did you know that you can do God things to run from God? You can do godly things to hide from God. That's what, that's what Cain did. He did a godly thing to hide from God. i got to move on. There's more on that. But just don't use God to run from God. Like some of us just need to go home and take care of business. Like that's what God wants us to do. Does that make sense? 
Sometimes what God wants us to do is spend time with our children instead of going to the latest, greatest church conference, right? Just, just listen to what God wants you to do, time. And then the next one is energy. Did you know that you can push, the, you can push your energy to a limit and you can go beyond that limit? And if you've ever done this, if you've ever physically tanked out, like, it's terrible. Like, and it can actually get dangerous. It can get not only physically dangerous, like, pushing your, your physical exertion to the extreme can be, because what, what are we loving God with? We're loving God with all of our mind, soul, body, and strength. So if you push your body to the limit, you can't love God well. It, again, this is a holistic expression, and it is the best. But if you push your body too far, you cannot love God well. It became dangerous for me one time. I was on an airplane and did a trip. I had jet lag, and then I, need to go, I needed to go on a long uh, car ride to get to the cell I needed to be at. I was upside down. I was on the other side of the planet. And um, I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to suck it up, and I'm going to do it. And so I was driving sleep-deprived, like my body was gone. And I took it not just to the limit. I took it way beyond the limit, and I thought I could do it. I was pounding the coffee, and, you know, I was, eating, I was just like just putting all the stimulus in me just so I could drive. And, well... I, found, I woke up in a ditch. Yep. I mean, that was scary. I mean, luckily, I didn't crash the van. You know, luckily, nothing happened. I was just, it was by the, I don't, by the grace of God, I didn't, like, flip it or run into somebody, kill somebody. But in my hubris, in my pride... I thought that I could push my body beyond its physical limits, and I, and I, and I could have killed somebody. So that's the, that's, the, that's the practical danger side of things, right? But there's also a spiritual uh, danger to pushing yourself physically. You can, you, you can hurt your family. I have, I have this friend, and he's got this under control. He's got this checked, in check, and I had to kind of work with him on it. But he was obsessed with working out. He was completely just like, like in the zone. He was a triathlete. He was a jujitsu black belt. You know, he did. Uh, he was a cyclist. He did all these really extreme sports. And I was like jealous because I wanted to be him. And it was like it was awesome. It was really cool what he could do. But then I was like just looking at his life. I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing, like. His addiction to health has become his own idol. Just think about, like, the extreme bodybuilders for a second. It's like, okay, first of all, like, that level of, of physical exercise isn't even healthy for the individual, right? But it's because they become a, an idol among themselves. They, they worship their own bodies to an extreme. I know that's kind of, I know we're getting into some tricky territory here. But in a sense, my friend was, he was so obsessed with fitness that his family life and his financial life was, were taking a toll. So, you know, instead of doing his job, he was, he was doing jujitsu. And he had a great reason. I mean, he, because it, he was, well, he was addicted to it. 
You know, I have all the things to be addicted to. Probably fitness is probably the best thing that you could get addicted to. But regardless, if it, if it becomes a ruling thing in your life, it becomes a deadly thing. And so we have to be careful about what we take to the limit. Now, I understand that in this congregation, that's probably not most of our struggles. Most of us are probably not pushing our fitness to the extreme, right? Okay. Yeah, let's go back to making fun of the fitness guy, Pastor Josh. No, our limits can be expressed in other areas. It's like, oh, man. Do you limit how many Krispy Kreme donuts you eat? Do you put healthy limits that push yourself to exercise? Maybe you don't even have that limit. Do you know how important it is right now for us to keep our bodies active and our minds active? Do you know that that is an expression of worship? And I know I know it sucks and... I know some of us don't like to do it, but that limit of physical health mirrors many times what takes place in our spiritual health. Mind, body, soul, and spirit. We have to love God with our bodies. Clearly, I am saying stop eating Krispy Kreme donuts. I'm not there yet. I'm still at the spot where I work out to eat. I'm still there. I'm, I'm you know, over 50 now, and I'm, I still have this mindset. I'm still kind of getting away with it. I just don't eat in the mornings anymore. I just, I'm still making it work because I, I, I love food. Can I get an amen? I like, I like tasty food. But there might come a day where the Lord says, you need, to not, you need to stop eating that. You need to stop drinking that. So what are your limits physically? Have you gone beyond that limit? Or are you just falling way short altogether? Love your, God with, love, love your Lord your God with all of your body. What does that mean to you? Can we make healthy choices? This is terrible, isn't it? I can, I can, I can see that uh, you don't like that. Okay. Um, and then there is an expression of loving God with all of our strength that's not tied to our giftings, that's tied to this will and this tenacity to level up. Now, what is not in this book, and again, I want to recommend the book, but right now I'm going to criticize the book. Um, Why? Because, well, I don't agree with everything that I read. Did I get an amen? I don't agree with everything I watch on YouTube or see in the news. And now, it's not a harsh criticism of what he's, what he's said, but he says that, that we need to put in 
limitations, healthy boundaries. Like, I'm all, like, like, we need to do this, right? Like, you need to have healthy limitations, healthy boundaries in your life. You need to make sure that I don't use and abuse your time with the Lord. You need to make sure that people in your life aren't taking advantage of you. You need to make sure that you are not overextending yourself and, and time and, and physically and all this kind of thing. Like, like, you need to do this. But at the same time, like, there is this mystery of running the race that we need to get, Right? Like, you shouldn't exert your body to the point where it hurts you, right? Emily Noyes, right? <laughs> like, you, you can't run until you die, right? Like, she can run. <laughs> but running to the point, where, like, it's probably okay to throw up for her, for you and me not, right. but you can't exert yourself until you physically die. But our physical bodies are made in such a way that if you don't get your place into an uncomfortable state, it doesn't do you any good. I was at the, I was at the gym this week, and it's kind of like doing my thing, and there was this gentleman, clearly out of shape, and he was on the, that, that sit-down bike. And he was on the sit-down bike for like 20, 30 minutes. And he's just going like this. He's just, he's just spinning the wheel over and over again, spinning the wheel. Every once in a while, he'd stop and go, ooh. And then he'd, he'd pat himself off. And then he'd, he'd start spinning. And then, then he'd get up. And he'd, he'd saunter. And then he would small talk somebody. And then he would pick up on some girl next to the water cooler. Then he'd get on the bike. It's like, oh. I'm like looking at this guy. He's like, he's not working out. He's not doing anything. He's just spinning the wheel. He thinks that he's getting physically healthy, but he's not doing anything. He's just wasting time. We know, fitness people know, that if you want results, it's going to cost you, and it's going to be painful, and it's going to put you into a state of uncomfort. Look, if you want results when you work out, you need to not do the little spinny thing. You need to get on the Stairmaster. You need to get your rate up to 150 to 160 to 170. You need to be sucking wind. It needs to feel like your heart's going to pop out of your chest. You need to feel like you're going to die, and then you'll be okay. And then you're going to feel great. And then, and, and then after, you do it, after you're done, like, almost dying from cardio, then you need to hit the weights, and you need to push those weights until it hurts so bad that you can't push it any farther. That's the only way that you're going to get strong, is that state of, being, of pushing yourself to be uncomfortable. To the limit, but not beyond the limit, yeah? And then when you get to be my age, then you have to stretch, I hate stretching. Like, that's the, I hated it when I was a kid. I hate it even more now. It's the worst. It's so uncomfortable. I'm so tense. But if I don't push my body to a state of being uncomfortable, it just doesn't do me any good. I'm just spinning the wheels. Amen? Do you know the same applies to your spiritual life? 
Now, look, I don't want to burn you out spiritually. I don't want to make you do more God things than, than, than you can possibly handle. I'm not talking about teaching Sunday school or serving at Living Nativity or food bank or all these, these activities that we dream up and come up with and try to make you do. I'm not talking about that. If you want to grow spiritually, you've got to push in and you have to make yourself spiritually uncomfortable. If you really want to grow in God, it's got to hurt. It's got to be painful. Like, like you really want to grow in God, you've got to get to the point where you feel like you're going to die because that's what God wants to do. He wants to kill you. He wants to, he wants to kill you dead. That sinful person, that sinful man, that sinful woman, he wants him dead. He wants her dead. You've got you to push yourself into a point where your whole mindset that is toxic and not of God, it's got to die. You've got to die to self and surrender to the Lord. And it's hard. I believe that spiritual growth is on par with physical health, physical growth. It's hard. Some of us, like we've got the gifts. We've got those gifts. You know you have it. You know you've got that spiritual gift of healing. You know you've got that spiritual gift of prophecy. You know you've got the spiritual gift of knowledge. You know you've got the spiritual gift of helps. And, and what's the other one? That other one. Teaching. Hospitality. Like you know you've got those gifts, but you've never taken the time to work them out. Your faith muscle hasn't been stretched. Your faith muscle. You have a faith muscle and you gotta work it out. You gotta take chances. You gotta take risk. You gotta push when things don't feel like it. Like when you don't want to do it, like I didn't want to work out this. I didn't. Okay, I didn't work out this morning. I didn't want to do it. But then he's like, okay, it doesn't really matter what I want. It's like, what does the Lord want? I don't, I don't want to pray for this person in the grocery store. You know, have you been there? I don't want to pray for that person in the grocery store. And what are your excuses? I don't have time. I don't have time to do this. What's the other excuse? I don't have the energy or the, or the bandwidth to deal with somebody right now. And then we completely lie to ourselves. I don't have the giftings to do this anymore. So, so we come on up. In closing, and the rest of the band too, in closing, have a hard conversation with yourself. Have a hard conversation with the Lord about what your limits are. Ask yourself, where have I abused my time limits? Where have I gone over? It's okay. Where have I gone over? Where in my life am I, have, am I not healthy? How am I doing with my energy? Is my energy directed towards the Lord? Am I managing my physical body just as much as I'm managing my spiritual body? You have a spiritual person. You also have a physical person. Both need to be taken care of.
sounds a little bit like dualism, but it's not. Because again, the Jewish concept is holistic. Your mind, body, soul, and strength are all interconnected and they're all intimately woven together. You can't have one without the other. So, where have you stretched yourself too far? And where have you not stretched yourself far enough? I think those are the two big questions. Where have you gone into excesses and to extremes, unbalanced? And where haven't you given certain areas more attention and priority? Let's be healthy. This is the fix-all to the brokenness that is deep inside of us. We all have to admit that we're broken. Mind, body, soul, and spirit are, are broken, and they, they need this. They need, they need the, the flesh of Jesus to bind us all back together. To be connected to Jesus and to be connected to each other in a healthy way is so transformative. This is the body of Christ. What time is it? <laughs> this is the body of Christ. You have a body. And when we eat this provision, it gives us strength to carry on when, th when times are hard. 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 24. Do you not know that in a race the runners run, but, not only, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way that you get the prize. So when we eat of this flesh, we are feeding our bodies, our spiritual bodies, to run this race so we can get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes on to strict training. So we're called to train. We're called to be discipled. Strict training, not to the extreme, but to a healthy way. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body, as the translations say. I work out, and I make it a slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let's not be disqualified. Let's run the race, but we need to eat the right meal. So this is the body of Christ. This is broken for you. This is the manna from heaven sent to give you sustenance and provision. If you're lacking, ask, and God will bring you bread. Receive the bread of the body of Christ. In order to be the runner that doesn't give up, the runner that can run the race 
and receive the crown. Amen? You, you have to run in such a way as to win and to receive the crown of life. In order to do that, you have to be a completely different runner. You have to be a new creation. You have to be literally transformed into a spiritual athlete. You have to allow yourself to die to self and then to live in Christ. Let's choose life. Let's choose real life. Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sins so that you could become a new creation. So receive this new covenant the blood of Jesus Christ that sets you free from your sins. I'm going to... Let's just bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to just pray a prayer of invitation because God is calling you. He's calling you in to find your spiritual gifts. He's calling you in to set appropriate time, to, to Sabbath with him, to spend time with him, to commune with him, to talk to him constantly where it doesn't feel like a religious practice. He's calling you. He sees where you've come from. He knows your story. He knows what you've done. And he's offering you forgiveness of sins. He's offering you new life. And so, if you have never given yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if you have never given Jesus the Lordship of your time, if you have never given Jesus the Lordship of your energies, if you've never given Jesus the lordship of your giftings. We've never given him the lordship of your entire life. Today is the day to surrender all to him. If you need to accept Jesus, if you need to become a new creation today, raise your hand. Every, all the heads are bowed and all the eyes are closed. Sweet, we're all saved. If you hadn't had a, a time or a chance or an opportunity to make that public declaration, we're having a baptism next Sunday. We are baptizing 21 people and counting. And if you haven't made that declaration, if you want to join your brothers and sisters in a baptism, you need to sign up. You have to come to the baptism class on Wednesday. They won't allow me to do spontaneous baptisms anymore. I get so excited. I'm like, who wants to get baptized next? And then, and then I have to rebaptize somebody after that. But today is a good day to put your name down on that paper and say, I'm going to make that public declaration of my faith in front of my friends and family. Let's worship the Lord. I know we started off the service with this song, but 
we should go back and sing it and just end this time and just say thank you, Jesus, for the joy of salvation. Would you join me and stand to your feet? All right, Noah, go ahead. turn towards you in your times of need and to fill your home with love and with joy and peace. God's a good God and he's for you, not against you. Amen. Be a new creation. God bless you guys. Amen.